This is Unsociable Game, a podcast about concussion and community football. I'm Ben Roden. After the last few weeks in the world of concussion, I can't help but feel, even after understanding hits, even after understanding why people stop, and even after understanding how it plays out in similar and different ways in women's footy, that there is a discussion to be had about what the AFL is doing about this. It is worth noting at this point that no metropolitan Victorian football league has an individual policy for handling concussion. In other words, the AFL makes the recommendations, the rules and regulations, and it's up to the community leagues and clubs to implement them to the best of their ability. When I go to meet the AFL's chief medical officer, Peter Harcourt, they are keen to avoid drama and hysteria when discussing this. However, Harcourt acknowledges that developing policies and tools for community football has become a greater priority in the past few years. At the community level, I'm sure it's underdiagnosed and there's not the same level of, you don't have the same level of healthcare support at the local footy. So, you know, the quality of the decision making is probably not going to be as good. So we're really relying on that people look after each other. Because when you stop and think about it, if someone's concussed, they're cognitively not working so well. Their thinking is not as good. And they need people around them to say, sorry, mate, you've got to get out of the game. However, despite these focus points, Harcourt ultimately believes the AFL's elite competitions are the best starting point for change because of the extra resources they attract. The AFL competition itself is sort of like the Rolls Royce of the competition. Has a lot of support around, a lot of video review, a lot of scrutiny, a lot of auditing of what goes on. And hopefully that sort of trickles down to the lower levels that don't have the same resources around the game. So that the rules which are implemented at the top level can be implemented lower down, but without the same sort of scrutiny and oversight. Let's walk this back and recap some stats. The AFL had 1.5 million participants last year, with just under a third of those women. The rules and regulations of the game at all levels and subsequent concussion protocol are largely dictated by the 800 or so professional men's players that train four to five days a week and have anywhere between a dozen to 30 conditioning, coaching and medical staff on the books. It is also worth considering that throughout the first 10 rounds of 2018, there have still been 28 reported occurrences of concussion in just under 90 games of elite men's football and this roughly aligns with the AFL's baseline. Notwithstanding the overwhelming commercial rationale for the current policy, wouldn't the AFL want a game that also meets the needs of the majority that play it? The community footballers that we don't know how often are getting hit, or even if they are receiving proper diagnosis. Harcourt concedes that there are limitations, but insists that the current top-down policy formulation is the best that the AFL has. So we can't, we can't get coverage for everywhere. Uh, It's not practical, it's not possible. And so we're really relying on the policies as being important and raising the awareness to the community that this is a really this this issue matters and it's a it's about health. What has been a little bit different is if we can get something like an IT system like a phone app or something like that, it means that actually we then can start looking at some of the data coming through and pick maybe where the diagnosis is really low or really high and start to provide educational resources or awareness to those areas where we might perceive that things are not being managed as well as they could be. The HeadCheck app, alluded to by Peter Harcourt and developed by the AFL with Murdoch Children's Research Health Institute, helps make concussion testing available to junior community footballers, with potential to be expanded to collect baseline data on metropolitan and country football leagues. As Professor John Olver and Nicole Hayes, both of whom have spoken across this series, note, 
It's a big positive, but one with significant ifs and buts attached to it. So I fully support it, but it's how it filters down to the ranks that's important. And at the moment, we're still seeing in sort of amateur and other competitions that there isn't a protocol and there isn't a recognition. And it's often due to individuals who are advocates or have had relatives that have had concussion that the treatment uh, is given. It's not a formal protocol and I think if this new app can be formally adopted then it'll be great. That's a great starting point. If it's one widely used, correctly used, foolproof, the data is handled properly, the um, research that goes beyond that because the data has to be interpreted properly, it has to be uh, secure because what if the outcome is very negative for the AFL. What if there's an indication that this game is causing damage? Can we trust the AFL to publicise that, to reveal that information? To that end, I asked Harcourt the following. Is it possible that we're going to have to have a discussion about what the game might have to look like and whether there's a role for the physicality and aggression that haunts the game's past? His answer reserves a definitive judgment. The long-term consequences we've got our eyes on, trying to understand what those risks are, but it, it seems to be low, seems to be. We, we don't really know, so we take a very conservative approach at this point in time. I don't think the game will change too much. If anything, it'll, it'll just evolve in a particular direction, but it'll always be obviously Australian football. While Nicole Hayes is sceptical about the AFL's handling of the concussion issue, she does believe the rules of the game, as they currently stand, are adequate for player safety. I know the quickest thing to do would be to change the rules. I'm reluctant for them to do that because it's a safe game if you play it properly. I'm confident it is if you play legally and, and, and observe the rules. It's mostly safe. The injuries are no greater necessarily. The risk is no greater necessarily than other football codes or other sporting codes. Professor John Olver, for his part, is wanting more clarity. What I hope that I'll be able to offer it at the same time I worry that I can't offer now is the answer to the question about what should I do now? Should I go back to football? What happens if I get another concussion? And I can make a general statement saying, well, multiple concussions don't seem to be good in a, in a whole group of people, but I can't answer it for you. So if we know more about the nature of concussion, the pathological nature of it, what actually happens in the long term, then I'll be able to advise them much better than the sort of vague answers I can give now. As someone who has just stopped playing, I must admit, I find the fact that there are still so many gaps in knowledge frightening, but it is what it is. I also wonder though, just where does the present day amateur fit in all this? As you've heard across the episodes, there are many experiences to consider and people I'm speaking to are still reflecting on what has happened to them, even now. Here's what I think. This is a game that I love. It is the only thing I'd get up early on Saturday for. A lifelong proliferation of friends continue to play at West Brunswick, a place I still go to as often as I can. And yet, I hate the brutality, the unnecessary aggression and bravado. Someone's want to win has cut this game short for me as much as an elbow to a head. If not bravado or aggression, it is poor technique and sometimes malice. Is a game that allows that to exist in varying forms something I want to be a part of? A game that doesn't actually know what it's doing to the bulk of its participants, that only to this point in its history uses the experience of the few to dictate how everyone else plays the game, that considers one concussion in every three games a stable baseline. I really want to say no, it probably isn't, but I also desperately don't want you to give up on this game, even if it sometimes feels like it has given up on me. Thanks for listening.